Connors T, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. This is part four of our five part series of the Tawn for November, our Patreon Appreciation Month. I'm sitting here in the shoppers with my brother Aaron. And I'm cold because it's cold. But I am delighted to tell you that we have lots more podcasts coming because each week we are releasing one podcast per week. It's not always possible because we can't always get it sorted. But this month we are because it's our birthday and we're going back to the town one part every week. If you haven't tuned into the part one, part two, part three, well, you should probably do that right now. So go back and have a listen or listen to part four coming up. The warrior that was sent for was Ferdia, son of Damon, greatest son of the whole tribe of Damon. And it was well known that he was the only one in Maeve's army who could possibly be a true challenge for Cúchulainn. But Ferdia refused the summons. You see, he had trained with Cúchulainn on the island of Skahok with the teachers Skahok and Uchtok and Aoife. And he loved Cúchulainn like a brother. And so Maeve sent to him three satirists to make three satires that would raise three blisters on his face, blisters of shame and blemish and reproach, so full of poison that they would kill him at the end of nine days. And when Ferdia saw the satirist coming, then he answered Maeve's summons, because it was better to die at the hand of a warrior than to die by the tongue of a satirist. Maeve welcomed Fergus into her tent and she offered him great rewards. Vast, rich, fertile lands in Connacht that would be his and guaranteed to be his son's and grandson's property as well until the end of life and of time. She offered him a place at every feast in Cruachon Eye but with no obligation to ever attend their assemblies if he chose not to. And she offered him the hand of her daughter, Finnever of the Fair Eyebrows, in marriage. But Ferdia said, I'll want more than just those. I'll need six pledges from six honourable men to witness whatever you offer me today. Now he might have expected Maeve to take that as an insult. To say, effectively, that her word was worth nothing unless it was witnessed. But Maeve just said, you may have whatever you wish for. She named six of the most honourable men in Connacht and said, ask them for their guarantees, ask them for their securities. Only tell me, Ferdia, what you want, and I will give it to you. There is nothing you can ask for that I will not give. Oh, it is a bitter woman you are. Not a gentle wife to a husband, but a fit queen with your high talk and your harsh strength. And so Maeve offered him jewels. She offered him her gold brooch with its hooked fastening. She offered him such treasures that everyone there in that company exclaimed about how great an offering it was. But still Ferdia said, I wouldn't take the land and the sea unless the sun and the moon were 
is half of my heart is his, and I have the half of Cucullin's heart as well. Now you may tell the hound without blemish, that Skahawk without fear made a prophecy that I would be put down by him in a ford. Maeve said to her people, the way that she would stir him up, it's a true word that Cucullin spoke then, when he said you were afraid to fight him for fear that he would put you down in the first moment of the fight. Well then Ferdia rose up angry now. He said that it was wrong for Cucullin to have said this. And he said, I swear by my arms that if he said this, I will fight him tomorrow. Well, every man has the right to defend their province, and sure it was wrong to think that he should be able to do more for Ulster than you should do for Connacht. So go on then, and fight him in the morning. With that, Ferdia went to his tent. And though he slept well at the start of the night, he woke in the second part, and he stayed awake. And he had much thought of the fight that was to come, and so he had his chariot yoked and made himself ready to set out for the ford. He got to the ford and lay down then, and he sat in deep contemplation, waiting for Cucullin as he meditated on the fight to come. Now, Cucullin slept in that morning because he didn't want anyone from the men of Ireland to think that he was waking up early for fear of fighting whoever came to the ford that morning. He jumped into his chariot with leg. Now the Balanachs and Baconachs and witches sounded in the hills around him as they would when he went down towards the ford. The trampling of his horses going as swift as a hawk diving from on high made him move as fast as a river flowing off a cliff. When Ferdia saw Cucullin come down to the ford this way, he called out to him. Good Cucullin... When we were with Skok in our island training with Oktuk and with Aoife, back then you were just my serving boy. That may be so, but that's not the story we'll be told after today. We used to go into hard fights together. We used to learn together every day. How is it you're come here? We may have trained together back then, but today we fight and you will be in much want of the healing and the healers after I've dealt with you. I haven't been in want of a healer yet, and I've fought armies. You have a heart of a bird in a cage. Now fight now, will you? It's not right for you to say that to me. We used to practice together on Skahawk's Island. We went into battle together because we were fearless. We were heart companions. We shared a bed. We used to go into hard fights. We used to go into every wilderness and forest together. You've gone mad. It's not right that you should be coming here against me because of the tricks of Oliel and of Maeve buying you with gifts and bribes. Finever was offered to you, her hand in marriage. Well, let me tell you about Finever. She's been offered to many men in this fight, and every one of them has come down to challenge me. I've put an end to him. And if she was offered to me, I wouldn't fight you. I wouldn't let any woman come between the two of us. Well, Cucullin of the wonderful feats, 
Although we learned knowledge together and new friendship in forging, it's been too long we've been talking about this. For today, I will give you your first wounds. So tell me, what arms shall we use today? You were the first one down to the ford today. This is you have choice of weapons, not me. Well, do you remember the light casting spears we used to practice with Skark and with Oakduck and with Aoife? I remember them well. So they gathered their round handle spears, their quill spears, ivory shafted spears, eight of each of them they had, and they drove their chariots up and down the sides of the river, throwing and casting these spears at one another, and not one of them missed their target. They kept shooting with these light spears all throughout the morning, until they were blunted with their heavy shields. They kept fighting from the twilight of the early morning into the fullness of the day, and all their spears were used, and their aim was perfect, but their defense was even better, so that neither one of them drew blood from the other. Then Kukulin called. What weapons will we use next? You have the choice till night, and all my spears are blunted from hitting up against your shield. We'll use the straight spears next. And they cast those straight longer spears just as they had cast the light throwing darts. But their defense was brilliant once more, but their throwing was even better this time round. And each one of them had heavy wounds on them by the time night fell. Then Ferdia called... Let us leave this now. We'll leave it if the time has come. Each of them walked into the middle of the ford then, and they hugged one another. They clasped their hands and gave each other three kisses. Their horses stayed in the same paddock that night, and their chariot drivers shared a fire as they made a bed full of green feathers for each of the fighters. Healers came to Kukulin then and put herbs and ointments on his skin. And for all the healing herbs that Kukulin got, he sent the same over the river to Ferdia. Now Ferdia was provided for by all the men of Ireland with food and drink, and he sent over provisions to Kukulin so that he would get the same. Now Maeve took this opportunity to send a band away to Cooley and drive away the brown bull before them. This the longest time Cucullin had been at the ford fighting anyone since the treaty had been made. The next day, Ferdia and Cucullin met again at the ford. And on this day, it was Cucullin's turn to choose their weapons. And he chose the great, broad spears. Now on that day they fought so hard and they fought so fiercely and they wounded each other so sorely that if it was the custom of the birds of the air to fly through the open wounds of men they could have flown through the bodies of Cucullin and of Ferdia. They carried on until the day grew dark the dusk crept over them and then Ferdia said we are not bound to go on forever now. And now that we're tired, we should leave this. Well, let's leave it now. 
if the time has come. And so they cast their spears aside and they met in the middle of the ford and they embraced one another, gave each other three kisses. And that night, their chariot drivers housed the horses in the same paddock. They themselves shared a fire and Ferdia sent half the provisions given to him by the men of Ireland across the river to Cucullan. Beds of red rushes were made for the two heroes for them to rest on. But on the third day when they rose, Cucullan saw that there was a darkness on Ferdia. A strange look on his face. And Ferdia said, There is not a man in Ireland would stand against me today. Cucullan replied, I curse that king and queen that has tempted you with Finnever to come against your fellow. And the two of them agreed that it was a day for sword fighting. And so they drew their long swords out. And that day the fighting was vicious and it was bloody. They hacked lumps out of each other until the night came. That night they did not embrace each went their own way with hard looks. And that night, their charioteers built two separate fires. They put the horses into two separate paddocks. When Cucullin was brought healing herbs by those who attended him, he did not send any of them over the river to Ferdia. And Ferdia did not share his provisions with Cucullin. The next morning, Ferdia woke early and came to the ford before sunrise. He knew that day that one of them would fall, or both of them. He put on his shirt of striped silk, an apron of purified iron, and his brown tunic wrapped tightly around. For he had fear of Gukulin's magic spear that Skog gave him, the gay Bulga. He took his strong spear on his left side and his curved sword on his right with red gold on the hilt. And he put on him his heavy bossed shield onto his back. Then he went to the ford and took about making great feats then. None of these he had ever learnt from anyone but he made up some of the greatest feats ever to be seen in Ireland. Cúchulainn saw the feats that Ferdia was making by the ford. And he turned to Laig and he said, Every one of those feats is going to be used against me today in the battle, Laig. Every one of those skills that Ferdia is practicing. And I've never seen the like of them in all my days. So now what I need from you when you see my courage flagging, when you see me hesitate to strike at Ferdia, who was my friend, I need you to goad me. I need you to insult me. I need you to call me names so that my anger will rise in me. And when you see me doing well against Ferdia, when you see me press him, I need you to praise me and keep the courage high in me. Because without this, I'm in fear for my life. 
Ferdia finished the last of his great feats. He saw Cucullin walking towards him then, and he called to him, asking him what weapons they would use that day. Well, let us try the Ford feat. The feet of the Ford let us meet together in the middle of the shallow place in this river. Ferdia agreed, but his heart was heavy for doing so, for he knew that Cucullin had killed everyone fighting at the ford in this great feat. They waded into the middle of the ford with the water rushing around their ankles, and they began in their great fight, thrusting spear blocking with shield and stabbing with sword. The two pillars of courage of the gale brought together for this fighting through the stirring up and trouble-making of Aulil and of Maeve. But by the middle of the day, they were hot with the heat of this fight. Then Cucullin leapt onto the boss of Ferdia's shield so he might thrust his spear towards him. But Ferdia kicked the shield with his knee, throwing Cucullin off him. A second time, Cucullin leapt towards him, onto the boss of his shield, and this time Ferdia used his elbow to cast Cucullin aside. Leg mocked him then, saying, You are like a child, Cucullin, cast away by a parent who is in a tantrum. You are like a wee fairy fighter. Cucullin got angry then, and his hero light shone around him, so that he had the appearance of a god. And with his temper lost, he ran at Ferdia. So close was the fighting, they shattered the spears from their points to the hilt. So close was their fighting that there was no air between them as their swords danced around between them. So close was the fight, the Balanaks, Baconaks, and demons of the air shouted and cried around. So great was the fight that the animals and the horses and prisoners the men of Ireland had stolen began to break and run away. The water of the river and the ford ran from the heat of this deadly fight, and they were using the edges of their swords, and Ferdia found a gap in Cucullin's defence, and he made a strike at his body, and his blood ran to the water, running away from them then, and Cucullin, feeling this now, called for the Gaebolga. Ferdia heard this and cried to hear it lowering his shield. Leg threw down the gay bulg, and Cucullin caught it with his foot. He made a quick move and cast the spear over his shield, making a great throw of his hand straight through Ferdia's armour and out the other side so the sharpened end could be seen. Ferdia fell, and as he fell, he said, It is enough. My end is come. I have not done well in this battle. You have killed me, Cucullin. Cucullin ran and caught him dragged him to the north side of the ford 
so that he should be with him in his death. All the men of Ireland were rising up and coming towards him. Cúchulainn could only grieve. It is my grief, Ferdia son of Damon, not to be riding his horses through the long days of his lifetime. And all of it, all these fights at the ford, all these battles with the army, all of it was a game, and all of it was a sport, until Ferdia came to the ford. Then through the advancing army, Cúchulainn saw a shining figure coming through. But the strange thing was that no one in the army of the men of Ireland seemed to notice him or react to him at all. He pointed this out to Leg, and Leg wondered at it, but Cúchulainn told him it was one of the Tua de Danann. Indeed, it was none other than Lú, Father. Cúchulainn's father from the other world. Cúchulainn lay bleeding, for Ferdia had buried his sword in Cúchulainn's body. He lay cradling the body of Ferdia as Lú came over to him. And Lú brought Cúchulainn to the grave of the Lurga and told him to lie down there and close his eyes and take a healing sleep. Cúchulainn did. And when he woke... He blushed from head to foot, feeling the blood rush back into his limbs, all his body healed and restored now, after the terrible battle with Ferdia and the wounds that had been put on him. But he started up in the next moment, and he asked Lu Father how long he had been sleeping. And Lu told him, three days and three nights. Cucullin said then, this is terrible. All the army of Ireland who have been without anyone to oppose them for three days and nights, they must have devastated the province. But Lou said, no, no, no. The province was defended. The boys' troop of Ulster came out of Awanmaka. They put aside their hurlies and they've took up arms for the first time. And they were led by Follaman, son of Crohor Magnessa. And he swore an oath that he would not return to Awan Maka without the head of Oliel MacMothoc on his belt. They made a brave fight of it, Cúchulainn, and a great display. And they fought for three days and three nights, and they put down three times their own number. Well, let us go to them then, Cúchulainn cried. He called out gladly. He put on his arms. But Lu father shook his head. They're fallen, Cúchulainn, every one of them. When Cúchulainn heard that the boys' troop were all killed, he said, We'll let you come with me then. And between the two of us, we will make a terrible slaughter on the men of Ireland and avenge the boys' troop. But Lu father shook his head, saying, I have no part in mortal quarrels. You may do what you like. And he returned then to the other world. Cúchulainn called to Laig to yoke the scythed chariot. And Laig put on the armour onto the horses that was studded with points and blades on every side. And he yoked them to the scythed chariot. 
a whirling thing with blades and points and spears on every angle of it. Cucullin leapt up into the chariot beside him, and Laig dressed himself in his light deerskin tunic, knowing that nothing dangerous would come near him when he was beside Cucullin in his rage. And the rage blazed within Cucullin, the hero light shone around him and he had the appearance of a god. And he and Laig mowed through the army of the men of Ireland, back and forth, in and out, mowing them down as a scythe mows down wheat. All through that long day, he reddened every part of the scythed chariot and every one of his arms and weapons. Cucullin's body was reddened with wounds by the end of it too, when at last the hero light faded and his anger for the boys' troop of Awanmaka was sated. The next day, Cucullin stood on the hillside, weary and wounded, and looked out over the army of the men of Ireland. And all of the women in that army, they wondered at the beauty of Cucullin when his appearance had been so terrible the day before. They stood up onto shields and made the men lift them over their heads so they could get a better look at the Hound of Ulster as he stood there and grieved for all that he had lost. Thank you for listening to the Candlelit Tales podcast. We'll be back next week for part four of this five-part episodes of The Thorn. After all, it's our fifth birthday, so we're celebrating with releasing a new podcast every week. This is all made possible because of our Patreon supporters. Thank you very much to all of those who are already supporting us. If you want to become a patron, well, you go to patreon.com forward slash candlelittales. Not only are you helping us make this, but you're also helping those who can't afford to support us listen to it for free. So good on you. Extra brownie points. There's a tote bag for anyone who wants to become a new uh, patron, Patreon, Patreon, patron, sorry about that, a tote bag for anyone who wants to become a new uh, Patreon, so that's also very good because you get to find out a little bit more about our sources if you do become a patron on Patreon, and you'll get a new tote bag with candle tails on it, it's black, it's environmentally friendly, it's great, anyway, thank you to all the people who are supporting us already who've made this podcast possible. That is a thank you to Anna, Anne, Anne, Eva, Everett, Claire, Claire, Connie, Dizzy, Di, Emmett, Emmett, Emma, Emmett, Kiva, Margarita, Paulina, Pamela, not Paulina, Russell, Selena, Simone and Sweeney. I'll get it right the next time. Thank you all very, very much. You're making it possible. Keep your candle lit. You.